Welcome to the new podcast for WGTS 91.9's Gateway Fellowship, a place that is about inspiring hope. You can find out more about us and hear more messages at mygatewayfellowship.com. You know how hungry this world is for Jesus. There are people who are dying in their hunger and they don't even know the source of their salvation, the food that they are lacking. There are people who come to me all the time, they say, how do I find true joy? Tell me, how, how can I have good spiritual health? Don't talk to me about prayer and Bible study and Jesus. Just tell me how I could have good spiritual health. And I said, well, what do you do? He says, well, I'm a doctor. Well, how could I have good bodily health? Don't talk to me about breathing and eating and drinking water and exercise and foolishness like that. Just give me a healthy body. Powers, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. How are you, church? So you came on out anyway. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Send the weather, but you're going to come out out anyway. <laughs> Careful now. I might go overtime because of that. No, I'm not. I'm just. No, it's not a threat. That was. That was just a funny. Let's bow our heads together. Father in heaven, sir, we would see Jesus. Show us his beautiful face and speak to us. Speak to us clearly, succinctly. Invite us. Bless us. We ask in his name. Amen. We've been talking about the power of prayer. I know you don't need me because you've had chaplains Terry and Pete tearing the place down. But I thought I'd throw in my two cents worth. The power of prayer. What is the value of prayer? Why, why, why pray? You, you know, the, the thing that intrigues me about prayer is that we think that prayer is because we need something. Well, I prayed about it and God didn't give me anything. There is no God because I needed the money and he never gave it to me. I lost the house. There are people who think that prayer means you need something and you get to talk about it with God. And that's not what prayer is. Why does prayer matter? Why is prayer of value? What does prayer even mean in a secular society that believes Oh, look at him. He's praying. He doesn't know that his prayers don't get beyond that scene. Only that fly can hear what he's talking about because there is no God in heaven listening. Why does prayer matter? And the, the thought of it just intrigued me because I have another friend. He resents prayer. He says, what about that child dying of hunger in the nation of Chad? Where is God as all those prayers are ascending? See, once again, we think that prayer means you need something and God better deliver it or else. Remember when you were little? Are you aware of the science of a grocery store? Are you aware of the attention, the thousands of dollars a grocery store pays out to consultants in some chains, millions of dollars because they're national chains like Safeway? And how to position the lighting, how to position the food, the vegetables, how to position things at eye level to get you to impulse buy. Did you notice that shopping carts got 35 to 50 percent larger and you still fill it up? 
because they know that if you go through the store and see their stuff, you're going to buy it. And most people go grocery shopping when they're hungry, the worst time to go, because you're going to buy extra stuff you don't need. You know you got to lose that weight. So what's with the 10 frozen pizzas and the, while they're on sale? I couldn't let it go. See, and what's with the 3,000 gallons of soda? Well, they had the 12 packs, three for $10. Do you drink soda much? No, but I'll figure out what to do with it. See, the stores know that if they get you at eye level, you're going to buy it. Donuts are shinier. And do you really need 12 teaspoons of sugar in a single donut? Hmm. But you don't care because they were at eye level. And this week only a dozen for $1.99 because of your membership card. See, and so that's the power of the grocery store. It's not what you need. It's what you want. And when you get to the cash register, they have stuff that are at eye level for you. <laughs> Indigestion, Tums, all of that's right there. Right there. Pepto-Bismol, adult strength, industrial strength, super Pepto, right here. But right down here at your child's eyes level, Snickers, Milky Way, and other blessings directly from heaven. And so you're like, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to buy me my Tums. I've been eating these with my acid indigestion. Trident, special gum that takes care of my breath issues that embarrass me when I forget to brush my teeth. They got stuff that brushes it for you if you chew it just right. And it doesn't stick to all those false teeth that you have drilled into your skull. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I'm testifying now. You hate when that gum sticks to your falsies. Then your kid says, I want the Snickers. They're two for a dollar. Now your child knows what they want and they pray for it. They ask you. And what do you tell your child? Inevitably, in most cases, you put it right back, sweetheart. It's on sale. You said milk is good for me, and it has real milk. And that child, some children make a scene. And Safeway is built for the scene. There are padded floors around the candy for the tantrum moments. They've thought it out. They've paid thousands of dollars to consultants so that the grocery store even provides for the tantrum. Did you know? That this level of intentionality happened before you went into Safeway. And that little red card or the giant card, you, that membership card that gives you the special price, even though it's much cheaper if you got it at dollar store, but you don't care because you're a member. And they're remembering everything you buy so they know what coupons to send you so you could do more impulse buying. Every year you spend an extra thousand to two thousand dollars in groceries you don't need, but because the cart was larger, your child knows how to ask. And your child wants that candy, and you say, now sweetheart, we're not going to discuss it anymore. Your child is going to continue to pray. 
until you finally set your foot down and you put it right back. No, we're not. You're going to have your dinner and we have other things like granola, healthy things. Ah. And the child, well, that's the calm version. There's the screaming child version that always happens when you are a few rows over. Does, did you give the child what they wanted? No. There are times that our children pray for something, but we know what they need that outweighs what they want. So they don't always get the prayer answered the way they want it, but it does get answered. You get what you need, not what you want. Lord, give me enough money that my child can be healthy and well-nourished. May not have all the candy she wants, but she has all her teeth. We're not paying out on, 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 on cavities and, and abscesses. My child, I, I don't want my child to be obese. I don't want my child to go into infantile uh, diabetes. I want my child to be healthy. But the child's not sure if, if my mommy loves me because she doesn't give me what I need. That's how we are with God. We actually think that prayer is, well, I prayed and the Lord didn't give it to me. I prayed. It was a simple prayer that I win the lottery. How come I didn't win? My rent money, I didn't win. <laughs> well, nobody wins the lottery. You didn't know that? Well, they announce them every day. Yeah, one out of 40 million. It's easier to be struck by lightning than to win the lottery. Didn't you know that? Well, we all know somebody who scored on the lottery. Well, I have a cousin. You know, he won, you know, $1,000. He won 3000 I got a friend who won $10,000. <laughs> Lucky him. Because the rest of us, whatever you put in, that's why there's enough for that $140 million to win something. Because the rest of us lost our cash. Amen. I'm sitting there in Philadelphia, not in Philadelphia, it was westward, inside Pennsylvania, somewhere at a gas station, and there was, there was every kind of lottery ticket you can imagine. I'm sitting there, the jackpot on this one's 100000 All I have to do is throw a 20. On this one, with a five, I can win up to $30,000. And then it says, gamble responsibly. Oh, what's that? Because I'm going to win. <laughs> I kept my money that night, but I tell you, I was trembling more than once. <laughs> you see, you can pray because you want something. Why does prayer matter? Is prayer only what you do because you want something? Have you ever had a friend that did that? Never, never cared about your special things? Never showed up to your stuff? You, you, you won an award at work and they were too busy to come out. Your kid got married. And of course, they had, they were doing something else. They don't, but, but when they need money, they're there early. You know, I, I, you're just one of my best friends. And I need a transmission and I just don't have, I'm going to get paid on Friday and I don't have the money, please. I have three children. Yeah, we all have kids. You know that friend that only shows up when they need something? That breaks your heart. Is that a true friend? What would you think or what do you think of the person who only shows up because they need something from you? That's not a true friend. Now, what kind of a God sits in heaven wondering what kind of children he has when they only show up when they want something? Goodness, goodness. All right. 
And some of them even say, okay, if you're even there, uh, I need help right now. So, okay, I'm going. It's interesting to watch people mess around with God. Not realizing He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. The Prince of Peace, the reason why the choir of heaven sings. You have access to the ultimate authority in the universe. And the best you can think of is, I need something and He ain't giving me what I want. So what is the point of prayer then? My favorite biblical figure was Joseph. Not only because his name is Jose in English. See, Jose with a PH. I know that that matters a lot to you. And I've made your day and you're fighting tears and you're wondering how you got along in life without knowing that. Joseph is my favorite biblical figure. You know why? Because he only suffered. And as he suffered, he only prayed. This man was a man of prayer. His father loved him. He was the youngest of his sons until Benjamin came along and his mama died giving birth. And, 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 and his older brothers were jealous because Joseph had his stuff together because when the Lord blesses you, whatever your hand touches, it flourishes. Everything. If you are faithful, whatever your hand touches, it'll flourish. Now, was he spared from the injustice? His brothers are so jealous, they threw him in a deep hole. And then, what do we do? Let's kill him. Well, we can't kill our brother, even though you feel like it half the time. Let's sell him. Egyptian caravan was going by. They sold their little brother as a slave, never to see him alive again. The average lifespan of a slave was seven years. With all the beatings and mistreatment and the 18-hour workdays, you died young. And you were just property. You were no different than the cow and the donkey and the other animals in the barn. You died. You were human labor. That's it. Joseph was sold by his brothers. He was purchased by Potiphar, the captain of the guard of Pharaoh. That was the Colin Powell, the general, the the guy in charge, the chief advisor to the king, the greatest man in the world at the time. And he was bought by him. Joseph was a man of prayer. Anything his hand touched. The Lord blessed it, it flourished. And Potiphar's household began to increase. Finally, Potiphar noticed whatever this kid does, it's blessed. He he talks incessantly with his God. What's this prayer thing? We don't even believe in your gods. We have gods in Egypt. You should be praying to Pharaoh and ask for his good graces. He is raw incarnate, God on earth. His brother, the moon, his sister, the the sun. he, He is God. And Joseph says, sorry, man, I only pray to one God. He prayed. Even though his lot was bitterness and pain, even though it was injustice, he was a slave, but he was the best slave ever to live on this planet. Finally, Potiphar entrusted his entire household. He became a multimillionaire. Why? Because Joseph was in charge of the stuff. Bought and sold horses at incredible profit. Never had Potiphar been so wealthy. Never had his household been so blessed. But then Sister Potiphar became confused about her needs. Notice his broad shoulders, his green eyes, hair messy in just the right way. Became confused. She came after Joseph, and Joseph panicked, you see, because Joseph was a man of prayer. He loved God with all his heart. So what what did Joseph do when Sister Potiphar was confused? He did what any normal man must do in that moment. He ran for his life. You don't trust yourself. It's a human moment. The Lord says, use your judgment. He ran. Sister Potiphar accused him falsely of having attacked her when she was the one who attacked him. And when Potiphar came home, 
She's crying uncontrollably. When he talked to Joseph, he says, I swear by my God that I have never lacked in respect to your household. I would never approach your wife as God is my witness. And he would never swear upon his God unless it was the truth. So he got thrown in prison just so that Potiphar wouldn't lose his public uh, reputation, his wife be, you know, her reputation be soiled publicly. So he got thrown into Pharaoh's prison. You got into Pharaoh's prison for three days only. At the end of three days, Pharaoh would decide whether to release you or to hang you. There was no such thing as a prison sentence in Egypt. You just did three days. At the end of three days, it's going to be a good day or a bad day. Nothing in between. On the third day, Joseph was still in prison. On the first year, he was still in prison. Six years, no, five years still in prison. Two of the king's servants were thrown in prison. By now it's five years. They noticed that the water was sweet and delicious. The food was tasty, felt like a restaurant. Never had the prison been so blessed. Then they discovered Joseph was doing the warden's work for him. That's a direct quote from scripture. Because Joseph was a man of... He loved his God. He was not spared of the pain and injustice. God didn't give him what he wants, but God always gave him what he needed. He was a man of prayer. So prayer in Joseph's life was about trusting God no matter what happens. And so then never had the food been so good. Never had the water been so fresh and so sweet. Why? Because Joseph was in charge. He was a man of prayer. Whatever his hand, his hand touched flourished. Pharaoh heard about it. That his prison was like a Hilton. Like, what's going on? We're supposed to be punishing people around here. Not making them happy. Go, you know, I think after a while, some inmates were like, I'm coming back. It's good stuff, man. It's better than the house. I mean, we don't get to go anywhere, but, you know, we eat well, we drink well. And after the, the Lord came upon Joseph, when he prayed for the, the dreams of these two servants of Pharaoh, and he accurately predicted what would happen in their lives based on their dreams. Three days later, one of them was hung, and the other one was returned back to Pharaoh. And as he was leaving, he says, please remember, tell Pharaoh my situation. I was supposed to be here only three days. It's been five years. Two years past more. You would say by now that Joseph should say, well, God doesn't answer my prayers. But that's not what prayer is. What's the purpose, the value of prayer? Watch what happens. Two years later, now Pharaoh had dreams, troubling dreams, two of them. He woke up screaming. Have you ever had a nightmare? Have you ever woken up like that? <gasps> Freak you out. You shouldn't have had bananas after 10 p.m. What's up with a bean burrito at midnight? <laughs> That's why you had a nightmare. Your blood was all down here with circulating through your stomach for, for, for digestion, through your small intestine. Instead of oxygenating your brain, you had limited oxygen in your brain, so you had nightmares. You asked for it. And so, so then they bring in Joseph, a Canaanite slave in prison. That's lower than an animal's life. Was brought in before the most powerful man in the world. And of course, Joseph was the man of prayer. So he prayed before going in. Lord, I'm going in, but in your name. El Elohim Chad Yisrael. The Lord is my God. The God of Yisrael. As he went in before Pharaoh, 
You're supposed to bow face first into the soil. And he just stood there. That's a death penalty. He says, no, everyone knows Pharaoh is greatness. I, I, I don't need to bow. He is already great. He says, come on up, since you seem to know I'm not a deity, come on up. And he, and he told him his dreams. And he says, Pharaoh, God is letting you know what is to come. The two dreams are one. There's going to be seven years of plenty. And there's going to be seven years of famine. And it's going to be a terrible famine. It's found in Genesis chapter 41, verses 25 and onward. So as Joseph said to Pharaoh, your dreams are one and the same. Genesis 41, verses 25 and onward. He says, those seven years, the fat cows and the fat ears of corn, those are seven years of plenty. And then the two two dreams, the, the skinny cows and the shriveled ears of corn, those are going to be seven years of great want. There's going to be famine. So what are we supposed to do? Well, take you and take a fifth of everyone's produce of their crops and set them aside for seven years. Collect this as a tribute from everyone. So when the famine comes, you'll have plenty of food for everybody. But what changed my life was this counsel. Pharaoh said, what am I supposed to do? And Joseph, this slave from prison, who hasn't had it right for 21 years since his brother sold him, tells Pharaoh, the greatest leader on planet Earth at the time, that's like telling the President of the United States equivalent today. He said, let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of plenty. Then they should collect all this food and put it in the good years away. So when the pain does come, there will be food for everyone. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh. Now watch what happened. And to all his officials in the court, So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man? Can we find anyone like this one? One in whom is the spirit of the living God? And Joseph is standing there uh, in his prison clothes. As they place the golden chain around his neck. As Pharaoh proceeds to take off his own signet ring that he signed documents with, with hot wax, and places it on his finger and declares, I name you the governor over all of Egypt. That's prime minister in our language today. By your word shall this country function, and only on the throne will I be greater than you. My people shall obey you, and your name shall be Zaphanath Panea. And this gorgeous woman over here, come over here, Micha. This girl is your wife. Any questions? No. <laughs> this boy's been in prison. He has been through stuff. He has been sold by his brothers. And in one single three-minute moment, He's got a wife. He's got the prime ministership of the most powerful nation in the world. He's the man. Because he was a man of... Did he ever get what he asked for? 
Was he ever released from prison in three days or as he kept re requesting and begging, can you please have him remember my situation because I'm still here? No. Did he get sold by his brothers? Even his whole bro my brothers, what are you doing? What are you Take him, please, my brothers. Did he ever get what he asked for? He got what God had to give to him. That was preparation for his life. To be broken, unjustly sold as the slave was to make him humble. And then to work in Potiphar's house was to teach him the value of a day's wage. To work hard, to be honest in all his dealings, to be chaste and pure, not to take someone else's woman. Now in prison, to take all the evil that this world has to give. Now and now he was ready to be prime minister of Egypt because he was a man. Of prayer. Why does prayer matter? Prayer is not about God. Prayer is about us. It says more about us than it says about God. If you only pray because I want something, and you better give it to me or else, amen. What does that say about us? It's about us. Prayer matters because it's about us. It puts our mind into contact with God. And if we don't think prayer is important, no wonder God is so far away. If prayer is only the thing you do to eat, uh, ooh, I forgot to pray. Why don't you pray, sweetheart? I prayed yesterday. Okay, then you pray. I prayed. And all of a sudden this big fight breaks out at the table. Because nobody wants to pray. We think that praying is because you have to eat or because you need something. You know, think of great people in history. Jesus Christ. Mahatma Gandhi. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Think of living people. Um, oh, what's his name? The Dalai Lama. What do all these people have in common? Sister Teresa, Mother Teresa. These are all people of, think about it. People of prayer turn the world upside down. People of prayer are not asking for themselves. People of prayer are asking for everybody else. I have worked, two of my mentors worked with Dr. King. And I asked him, tell me, what was it like working with the man himself? I mean, come on, tell me the truth. What was it like to march from Selma to Montgomery? What was it like to have, well, it was rough because Martin was despondent, quote, every day. Daily death threats. I only get a death threat once or twice a year. This guy got them once or twice a day. And they carried them out. And they finally got him. But Martin's prayer was, oh, Lord, help us reach Montgomery. Lord, that the garbage workers get a deal. And get their dignity. When they march with that sign in Memphis, Tennessee, I am a man. That changed my life. To see such dignity. We will march in an orderly fashion. We will obey traffic regulations. We will sing to the Lord. That's what they did. Because Dr. King was a man of prayer. He was not perfection. He was a man of prayer who defended, who depended on a perfect God. I've worked... I worked with two people. Who, I had two mentors who worked with Gandhi. And I told, I asked him, what was it like 
Well, I marched with him to the sea, but tell me what it was like to work with Gandhi. And Gandhi said, well, I, I don't like you Christians too much, but I love your Christ. And I was struck by that. Well, what did you mean? Well, he says, these people occupying our country are Christians. And yet they say we're so stupid, we can't run our own country. And that's why we're going to show them. And when the Viceroy of England says to Gandhi, you think you can drive out the mighty British Empire? Oh, no. No, 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 no. We're not going to drive you out. You will leave. But you will leave as friends. And the Viceroy said, well, how are we going to do that? Well, there's 300,000 British troops in India. There's 300 million Indian people. And we're simply not going to obey you. We love you. We'll treat you nice. Fill up the jails if you wish. But you will leave. And you will leave as friends. Violence ensued. The prisons were filled. Gandhi went through two major hunger strikes. You know, he eventually died. And then, before he died, as the British Viceroy was boarding the ship to leave, they exchanged a tearful embrace of friendship, Gandhi and the Viceroy. Within a month, Gandhi was invited to Buckingham Palace in London, and he was received with honors before the King of England. You'd think the King would be angry, but the friendship ensued. You see, prayer is about what God does through us for the blessing of others. We may not get everything we want, but God will bless us. Anything our hand touches will flourish. It doesn't mean we'll be spared the pain of life. It doesn't mean we'll be spared all the injustice of life. Joseph became the prime minister of Egypt. And for seven years, they gathered the grain. And after seven years, the famine came. And it was the entire Middle East. Millions of lives were at stake. But anyone can go to Egypt and buy plentiful grain. The entire Middle East was saved by the faith of one guy. The prayer life of one guy. And so now his brothers who had sold him come back to buy grain for their family before they starve. And he recognizes his brothers. And you know the long story. Eventually he reveals himself. I'm Joseph who you sold as a slave into Egypt. Yes, you meant evil against me. But look what God did. He turned it around that millions of people should be saved. That is why prayer matters. Prayer in our life every day means that God can bless you so much that you become the blessing to somebody else. Does that mean you're spared the injustices of life? No. Does that mean the calamity doesn't come to your life? No. That means stuff will still happen, but it's you and Jesus we're going to see this one together. I'm not alone, for the Lord is with me. He will never forsake me. And though I lose my house, I have not lost my life. There was a sister who said this week, and it overwhelms me, her husband was desperately ill. And I was given her phone number and asked to call her. I dial her number. She answered. And I said, How, how's your husband? Oh, it's very grave. The doctors are not giving much hope. And I said, let me pray with you right now. And I asked God to show his hand mightily that he pour out his spirit and show his will. If he wants to raise him up, to do so. And if he doesn't, to be clear on this matter, that she might be at peace, that God's hand is leading in this. And she, she said this week that after we said amen, after we said amen, within moments her other phone rang, and it was the hospital. 
her husband had just passed away. As we prayed, her husband passed away. And what overwhelmed me was her testimony. She said she remembers that moment for the rest of her life. That as she was wondering what God's will was, a Christian called to pray with her. And she's at peace. That it was the most comforting thing to put the matters into God's hand. So that even though she missed her husband, uh, her, uh, her father, even though she missed him, she now knew that it was God's will that he rest. And it was such a comfort. I had no idea what the power of one prayer at that moment would be. My friends, God has a plan for our life. Why does prayer matter? It puts you in tune with the Lord. This guitar was broken for the third time it was rebuilt. I'm a 12-string man. I've had to survive on a six-string for a while. It's been rough. So I want to play my guitar again in the name of Jesus. I want to play to His glory as a 12 man. Notice what God can do with an instrument given to Him. I want you to think in your own heart and offer a silent prayer as you hear this song. Let it be your song. Talk to God quietly in your heart right now. And remember, prayer puts our mind in synchronization with God. It's not what we ask for. It's what God wants to give us. It may not be what we want, but it will always be what we need. And people of prayer throughout history, you see them. They made international impacts. God can use a life, bless it so much that it becomes a blessing to many others when you become men and women of prayer. To conclude, Gandhi was asked by a reporter, are you a Christian? And he said, call me a Christian And you insult me, well, because he was a faithful Hindu. But call me Christ-like, and you honor me. And as a Christian, that became my challenge. I want to be like Christ. Jesus was a man of prayer. And right to the very end, he prayed. His last prayer was, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Always talking to his Father, as you and I can do. Does this make sense? So he now he doesn't give me what I want, but he'll always give me what I need.
May I pray with you? Let's bow our heads. Let's talk to him. Father in heaven, what in the world are you doing with our life? We notice that so much of what we ask you, what we want, you don't give it to us. As we look back in our lives, what we need, you have provided. Lord, we may not always understand the depths of your will, but throughout history, folks of prayer are the ones you used in a mighty way. Lord, there is so much that can be done in this community, and you're counting on us. May we be men and women of prayer. May we learn to pray with a new heart, not simply because we need something, but because we love you with all of our heart. Do something, Lord. Pour out your Holy Ghost among us, and may we now see you with new eyes. And when we pray, may we always understand what your hand is. Lord, we want to learn from the men and women of prayer in Scripture. Give us the same faith. May everything our hand touches flourish as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wherever life's journey is taking you, we hope you can find a home at Gateway Fellowship, a ministry of WGTS 91.9. We'd love for you to visit us sometime. Services happen each Saturday evening at 6. You can learn more about us and get more podcasts at mygatewayfellowship.com.